This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Well, 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 well. Well, this is a little bit different, isn't it, for you to watch and join everybody as a family together this way. But it's a normal Sunday morning in this fact, that the people of God are looking to the Word of God for their truth, for the bedrock kind of foundation that we build our lives upon. That doesn't change. And so on this given weekend, I want to take the time to preach a regular message, if you will, from the Word of God. And how many know that the Word of God is reliable and it's powerful? And uh, as we dive into the Word, I want to remind you that, that throughout the week, you don't have to just let the weekend be your only time to worship, but that you can connect in spiritual relationships with other believers. I talk about Redwood Faith all the time here at the church. And this is our hour where we need to be connected to other believers We've got a ton of resources that are available on our website for you to form a group or join a group. And uh, we're doing them virtually. We're doing them online. People are talking to each other. And we've got a lot of different platforms that we can utilize. But I'll encourage you, don't just stay this week alone in your home. Be connected to other believers. I know our youth ministry is doing a ton of of groups that are together. Our kids ministry has tools for that as well. Just check all, all the resources that are on our website. I encourage you to plug into that. All right. Today is four, our series four, part two, your finest hour. And if there's somebody in your room right now, just turn to them and say, it's your finest hour. It is. It is your finest hour. It's my finest hour. It's your finest hour. And uh, I'll talk about that here in just a moment. I'm a bit of a history buff. And so uh, when I think of different periods of world history, I think through how uh, people have gone through dark times, times when it's overwhelming. See, we're not the only ones that have gone through difficult seasons in world history. And uh, one of the people that I looked at is, is the prime minister, the former prime minister of the UK, Winston Churchill, during the World War II era especially. He gave the third of his inspirational speeches during the Battle of Britain on June 18, 1940. Now, to understand what was going on during his speech is uh, the German uh, Nazi empire, if you will, was taking over all of Europe, and one country after another was falling, and the stories were coming back of the brutal nature of the Nazi regime and how they were murdering people and mass killings and how they were doing weird experiments on people, and so they knew this was pure evil coming their way. And if you knew geographically that uh, the island of the UK, the, the Great Britain, historical Great Britain, is only 20 miles across the channel from France. And just a few weeks before, France had fallen. And so literally the German Empire was only 20 miles away from the UK. And the people of the UK were overwhelmed with fear. And they didn't know what to do. And they felt like a certain collapse was coming. They didn't have enough military strength to, to survive a battle like this. And so Winston Churchill, as the leader of the country, gets in front of everyone and he begins to give a speech. And, you know, he didn't suppress the truth. He didn't ignore the facts. But he wanted to deal with the people and their resolve for how they would face the future. And he spoke from the floor of the parliament, like our Congress, and his speech was heard throughout the United Kingdom. In part of his speech, he said this, 
The battle of Britain is about to begin. And upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of the institutions in our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be freed and the life of the world may move forward into the broad sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. I love how he spoke about a resolve in the middle of uncertainty. He didn't know the outcome, but he was counting on the people of Britain to rise above the challenge and think beyond the pain and the fear of the moment. To think beyond the current losses and the mounting questions and the what ifs. Consider that hundreds of years from now, people will look back and say, this was their finest hour. They didn't give up, they persevered. And the truth of history is they did persevere. And they did stand their ground. And Hitler did not take over them. But they were going to have bombings and, and destroy buildings. They were going to lose their sons in war. It was not going to be easy but because it had resolved a thousand years from now. They would say this was their finest hour. Well, I believe that you and I are entering a moment in history that our kids and our grandkids will say this was our finest hour. This is our moment when we look back years from now when we can say we stood our ground. We thought long. We were willing to persevere. A week like the one we've had brings up a thousand questions. The ifs are swirling around. If this lasts too long, if it goes beyond 15 days, what happens if it's two months? Some people are saying it's 18 months. And all the what ifs, if our economy doesn't recover, if you fill in the blank what you've been thinking about. And I love what Mark Batterson said. He said there are 1,784 ifs in the Bible. The most significant, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's the game changer. God is always on our side every day in every way. What is he speaking of? The, if God is for us, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says this, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us. Say that phrase out loud in your kitchen or your living room or wherever you are. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? See, every person who looks to and surrenders to Jesus Christ has the opportunity to say that God is for them. Who literally can be against God? If God's on my side, baby, I, there's nobody that can conquer God. And how can we be so confident in the unknown with the enemy on the horizon? Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity 
or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, I want you to know that you can be confident because you have God's love and nothing can separate you from his love. And our hope is in a power that cannot be shaken. Although everything in life seems to be shaken right now, the one unshakable thing is the kingdom of God, as Hebrews says. It's unshakable and you can lean into that even now. Our hope is not in the things we see, but in the kingdom of God that provides peace that you cannot buy on Amazon right now. It's literally what the people of Israel have trusted throughout their entire history. If you go back into the Old Testament, this is why I think it's a great time to pull out the Bible and read through the Bible. Maybe you're going along with our devotional that we do in the Bible in one year app. It's been amazing. And there's always an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture and a Psalm. But I'll tell you what, when you read, all of the history of the Bible plays into this moment too. Israel has its own story. If you think about it, literally the people of Israel were under the brutal uh, foot of slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. And as they were in slavery, they cried out to God and God sent Moses to get them out of the slavery. And of course, if you read through Exodus, you can see the amazing stories of miracles that God did. And in spite of all of the the obstacles that were around them. God used the weather, he used pestilence, he used a whole lot of things to move his people where he wanted them to be. And now as the people walk across the Red Sea on dry land, and there's another miracle and they get into the desert or the wilderness, now they're in a space where it's like unknown. And as they're in that space, the desert becomes a metaphor of disruption from the normal. I want you to think about this. As the Israelites and over a million people are now crossed on the dry land and into the desert and the water's closed up behind them, they're free from their slave masters, but now they're in a brand new normal. And I think for many of us, this week we moved into a brand new normal. I've seen some of the stuff on social media of dads that are freaking out because they actually have to be at home all the time with their kids now. And uh, they don't know what to do. They like literally don't know what to do. I know in my house, we're like, you know, normally uh, you can be on a, uh, uh, one floor and talking to somebody and then you go, hey, I got to run to the store. But nobody's running off to the store that frequently. And we're not going to do the things that we used to do. Everything is brand new. You can't even get off a phone call in an easy way right now. I mean, think about it. With phone calls, usually you can go, hey, I got to go. I got to be somewhere. (laughs) Where do you got to be now? Everything is different. And when we hit a place where we've never been before 
and we don't know if it's going to change, much like the Israelites, it's a freaky thing and we get unsettled. It's okay to feel unsettled, but you and I can learn in the desert. You see, it was in the desert that God chose to formulate his relationship with his people. God wanted to do a thing in Israel while they were in this season of the unknown. In fact, he would provide for them their water and their food. He would be their protection in the evening and in the morning. He was the one that would build a relationship. It was in the desert that God revealed the Ten Commandments and the law of God. And there was a relationship forming. I want you to know that right during this season, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the things that you're going through, God can use this to help you and your family draw closer to him. You can, instead of being afraid, this can be your finest hour. Moments where you can draw and be connected to God. Worship can become real without the outer, outer props. And you don't have the band around you all the time. You can connect with God in new ways. You can crack the Bible and begin to read it because you have the time to read it now. And all the other things have been taken away. You can develop a love relationship for God and for people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Jesus said. And love your neighbor as yourself. You can love your neighbors in ways that you haven't before. So the wilderness or the desert doesn't have to be a bad place. It can be the place where things grow. The people of Israel had been uprooted, moved into a desert, and instead of trusting in their Egyptian masters, God was now developing a unique relationship with the people of Israel. They had to learn how to trust God in the struggle of the desert. And God taught them, in the desert, you can grow in this season, and growth is possible. In fact, you know, I love what happened with Jesus. Even Jesus had to grow in Luke chapter two. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Even our kids, this is about Jesus' life when he was probably 12 years old. Jesus grew as a kid. Did you know your children are not on the shelf or on pause right now, but your kids can grow during a season like this as well. You can learn in this new season and God will send you messages in your desert. He can send you messages and he will give you promises for your kids and your grandkids if you obey and trust the Lord. And one of the promises is, is that he will be with you and that he will be for you. And I want to go draw you to Numbers chapter 6. If you turn there, if you have your physical Bibles, go ahead and pull it out. Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. It says this. It's also in the Emmanuel MN app if you're following along in there. This is a priestly prayer that God told Aaron, the priest, the head priest, to pray over the people of Israel. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites, say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I want to break this down a little bit. It's a statement over people. And I want this statement to be over you right now in your house. I want this to be a blessing over you and your family. I want this to be a blessing over you and your company, over you and your city, over you and the United States. Hey, I'm believing that God is going to bless Minnesota and bless the United States and bless the world. Can I get an amen to that? 
that this would be a statement that would be spoken over you. Look at verse 24. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The blessing is the favor of God. A blessing is his gifts and his approval. It is something that will be spoken over you. The blessing of God is something that only he can give. And I believe that God can give his blessing, his favor over you even now. But it also says, and keep you. I think that's interesting because to keep is a statement of security. At times when we don't know what's going to happen, where's our retirement going to be? What's going to happen with our finances as we go forward? What's going to happen with school? And what does this mean for the rest of my life? All of those things that we're worried about losing, he will keep those things for you. He'll protect you. He'll guide you. And he'll keep you. And it's a statement of security. You know, when I would go to a coffee shop like Starbucks or Caribou or something like that, often I would go in and, and while I was working on my dissertation, I spent hours in a coffee shop. And I would sit down with my laptop and I would drink coffee. And I would drink more coffee. And I would drink more coffee. And how many know, when you drink a lot of coffee, what happens next? You got to go to the bathroom, right? And so, but I got all my computer and my stuff laid out. How do I go to the bathroom without taking my computer with me? I often will look for people that are trustworthy looking, that have been there with me, and I'll say to them, hey, uh, I gotta go to the bathroom quick. Can you watch my stuff for me? And they'll give me that, yeah. Now, I've been vetting them probably for a half an hour to an hour to see if they're real or not, but maybe you've done something like that. My point is this. I would only trust people with stuff that will keep it. Not to have, lose it or steal it or take it from you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he take care of you. Whatever your if is right now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. To shine is like the smile of God. It's the image of delight. It's the, it's the I'm into you. Not just I kind of let you be in my presence, but I'm like way into you. May the Lord shine, cause his face to shine on you. It's the, it's the groom at the end of the aisle. And uh, all the preliminaries have gone by. And the bridesmaids and groomsmen come in. And then the, the ring bearer and the flower girl come down. But how many know when the doors swing open and the bride comes in, there's a different look on the groom's face. There's a big smile. It's an image of deep interest. Did you know that the, that the Lord can have a smile over your life. I think it's really important to embrace this word over you right now because there are some of us that when we hit moments where things are in doubt and worry, we think that God loves other people more than he loves us. And I want you to know that you are his child and he smiles over you. And even if people have spoken words of you in the past, that say that you were unwanted or unchosen or you were rejected. I want you to hear the word, the blessing spoken over you today. The Lord caused his face to shine, to smile on your life. He's proud of you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Everyone has sinned, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. His graciousness what does grace 
You might be saying, well, yeah, God will smile on me, but I've done a lot of bad things. I, I've messed up. I've, I've not even loved God. I've loved other things more than I, I should have. And maybe this is a kind of week where you're recognizing, oh, my, I've been, I've been into myself. I've been chasing other things too much. I don't know if God loves me right now. I want you to know his grace can come your way. Some of you are parents, and you're like, I don't know if I have what it takes. Why am I filled with worry? And how can I lead my kids during a season like that? And you can let anxious thoughts rule and reign in your heart and your mind. Or you can embrace the grace that Jesus offers you in your weakness for this moment. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul says this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is so cool because it's okay to not be okay. Some of you are worried and filled with fear and I get it, but all we need is the Lord to show his grace to us in our worst. So when we hit our moments, when we're feeling overwhelmed and we feel like the fear is breaking in, it's not the time to act like you're really strong. It's the time to take your weakness to God and say, God, I'm weak right now, and allow him to find his strength into your life in your weakness. It's okay to not be okay. And when, by the way, when we decide to tell God what we're feeling and we actually verbalize it to him, it's not new information. He already knows what's going on in our life and we have the opportunity to share it with the one that can be gracious to us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And finally, verse 26, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This phrase, the Lord turn his face toward you, is a body language moment. It's as if he's saying, you know, the whole world is going crazy right now. And how can God know where I'm at and what I'm feeling? Maybe you are in a place of great despair and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to get the paycheck. You don't know what's going to happen with your job. And you're like, well, maybe God cares about other people more than me. And there's an amazing ability when God blesses his people that he turns his face toward you and he sees and he notices you. In a crowd or all alone, God turns his face towards you and he notices you. I want you to hear this in a unique way today because some of us, just like the psalmist, the worst fear is to be hidden from God's face. Psalm 27, 7 says, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. May God turn his face toward your house, your apartment, your family, your job. And when the Lord's face is near, things change. For his face to turn toward you, you don't have to be in a church sanctuary 
You just have to turn in your heart to him. And when his face is turned toward you, what happens next? He will give you peace. 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 This is a great need that all of us have during seasons of loss. You know, when we lose a loved one, the five stages of grief and loss are denial and isolation, anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance. And you people will go through those phases. Perhaps you've suffered a loss and you've gone through those, those stages and they're not all the same. They don't go at the same speed. You're like, why am I feeling different today than I did yesterday? It's because you're experiencing loss and you don't know how to grapple with it. And I want you to know that in the middle of that, what you and I need is the peace of God. Because God's peace enables us to walk through things that our emotions are trying to tell us how to handle it. You don't know how to handle it with your mind or your emotions. You don't even know how to give strength to the people that are around you. But God knows how to walk you through the stages of grief. And I love what David said in Psalm 23 when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me. See, the reality is, is that God is not uh, uh, separate. He's not away from us. He doesn't deny the fact that we're going to go through our emotional shifts. But what he does do is he offers himself. And when God is there, he offers his peace. How do you find peace when you are in anger, when you find yourself in depression, when loss hits you like a knife? Well, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says this, don't worry about anything. Pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is important. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as, everybody said as, as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's kind of an if-then. If I tell God what I need, if I choose instead of to worry in my own heart and I, I let God know what's going on in my heart, then I get and exchange his peace. But if I leave it in my head or I only uh, process it in the wrong ways or with other people that can't give me peace. By the way, social media can't give you peace. Okay, All just the latest news isn't gonna give you peace. You might wanna know what the information is, but I encourage you, only watch it in increments right now because things are changing and friends, the best thing you can do is when you feel anxiety, it's real. You can't deny it, but you can take it to the Lord. And as you take it to the Lord and live in Christ Jesus, he gives you this great gift of peace. And that peace bypasses your understanding. It's not even something that you can figure out. God gives you a peace. I don't know why. I just know God's got this. I don't know why we're going to make it through. I'm not worried because God is with me. I can make it because he is with me in Christ. And as we prepare to go into this week, church, this is your finest hour. When you look back at this time, you will have spent your days leaning in to hear the voice of God. And I want you to know that sitting down is a way for you to hear 
the promises of God. You're like, what do you mean, sitting down? Well, sometimes when we're a little bit crazy, it's like a canoe. And you get into a canoe. Have anybody ever been in a canoe and out in a boat or you've seen one? One thing about a canoe is they're a little bit tipsy. And so if you get into a canoe and you're standing in the canoe and you're 20 feet from shore out on a lake, not a frozen lake at this time of year, still got some lakes that are frozen. And you get into that canoe and start getting tipsy. And you're worried about falling over and somebody on the shore is trying to talk to you. You can't hear them. You can't hear them because you're consumed with the moment that you're in. Well, I'd like to say to you that God wants to speak to you from the shore, that he wants to give you his peace. And the only way that you're gonna hear what he's saying is to sit down, to pause, to reflect on who he is and allow him to speak his word, his blessing over you. I believe that he will speak a word of hope and truth. So today, can you for a moment sit down and think about what Jesus did for you and examine your heart? Hear again what God says to us from Romans chapter 8. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or above in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then finally, I want you to remember, and we're about to sing, what the blessing is to be spoken over you and your home right now. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.